From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. I've got Kyle Wenzel here in the Thinking Out Loud studios. We're excited this week to bring you another awesome show. Yeah, and today we are going to be covering a very controversial, really divisive topic as we get into the voting season. Obviously, we all know what we're talking about when we talk about going to the election polls and voting on our next presidential candidate. And one thing that we've always said from the beginning and we want to make sure that we're doing is that we are going to do our best at educating our audience. What we are not going to do today is we're not going to be telling you who to vote for. We're not going to tell you what decision to make. That's not our job. Our job isn't to tell you what choices to make in life. Our job is to give you the best information, the correct information, Our job is to give you the best resources we possibly can for you to make the best decision. And so what we want to do today is we want to cover this topic, voting, and how should we vote, and what should our responses be, and what to look for. And and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a a conversation about it. We are going to educate our audience. And even after this, we need to educate ourselves. We need to formulate a strong opinion. We need to do our research and make sure that whatever decision we make, in anything in life that we have a strong conviction towards that decision. And so we just want to help help you guys out further along that decision today as we get closer to election day. Yeah, and I, I just echo what Kyle says. You know, we're not interested in telling you who to vote for. I think that's one of the things that is making this so divisive in our culture right now is that everyone is telling everyone what to do instead of we as individuals going into prayer and asking God, you know, reading our Bibles and then coming up with the decisions that, you know, we feel that that God wants us to do. You know, it's just it's you're not going to learn from a debate who you're supposed to vote for. You're going to learn from reading your Bible. And that's how we as Christians, that's how we live our lives. And I think it's so important that we as Christians right now, we should be lights in the midst of all of this. And I think what happens is because we're in the culture, you know, the Bible says be in the world, but not of the world. And unfortunately, a lot of us fall victim to being of the world and getting extremely hostile against people who don't believe that what we believe or like we believe and not realizing that we're all human beings. We all have a right to our opinion. We all have a right to, you know, our views and and, and all of that. And as Christians, Yes. Is there only one way? Yes, there is one way to cry to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. But when it comes to everything other than that, we all come from different backgrounds. We come from different, you know, social economical situations. And a lot of times our experience and how we grew up shapes how we vote, how we how we just think about different things in the culture. And so I just think we all need to step back and we need to take a fresh look at, 
you know, irregardless of what mom and dad said, grandpa and grandma said, what our families have always done, what our, you know, pastor told us last election, whatever the case may be. And they may have well, all of them may have well told you the right thing to do. Here's what you have to understand. You are going to give an account to God for every deed that's done in your body. You're not going to give an account for what your pastor told you, your mom told you, or anyone else. It's going to be what we have done in our own individual bodies. So it is imperative that when you think about voting and who you're going to vote for, what platforms that you're going to stand on, that you stand on a platform that you know within your own heart, and you do not have to be validated by anybody. You don't have to be told that you're right or wrong by anybody. Listen, it's up to you and God who you vote for. And so mm-hmm. we're not interested today in telling you who you should vote for. That is between you and God and you, you know that and and you go from there. So we just want to go through and, and we're going to take our time and we're just going to go through and and our desire is that you come out of this somewhat well-rounded on the issues that should matter as a Christian. That you come out looking at the issues, because I think a lot of what happens today is we look at a person in the election or we look at a party and we're not looking at the issues. And what happens when you look at a person or a party, you then have to go along with every single thing that that party believes. And if you go with that party, then you have a bunch of people from the other party that says you're wrong. As Christians, we need to be focused on what's important to God. When we go to the polls, we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that are important to God? How will we govern best based on the issues, not the person? You're not going to always like the person. You're not going to always like, you're not going to always like the party, but you need to be able to agree with God on the issues. And so that's what's super important. And There is no perfect party. There is no party of the Holy Spirit. There is no party that has everything right. We're human beings. And a lot of people in both parties are not even Christian. So to make them do something according to the word of God is a little, it's just not fair. They're they're, they're not going to do that because that's not who they are, right? So we have to pick what's best out of what we have. And so while there must be, Uh, institutional separation of church and state, there never can be a separation of God and government. God should always be involved in government because he's the one from the outset that has established authority. So Eugene Cho, which is, I don't know a ton about him. I've listened to some things. I've listened to some interviews with him. He's wrote a book, uh, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and this is not really based on his book, but I'm just, I'm, I just wanted to say uh, that's who he is. He says, as a young believer, he was told that good Christians should vote Republican. Then, when he served as a pastor in the progressive Seattle, he heard that if you were a real justice-minded Christian, you must vote Democrat. And he says, when people have this mindset, it perpetuates the idea that there is exclusively one way to engage in politics in order to be a faithful Christian. And with such a narrow ideology, we can fall into a situation where we stop thinking, we stop engaging, we stop asking the important questions. It becomes my camp 
versus your camp, in or out, for or against, friend or foe, ally or enemy. We write people off who identify with the other party for whatever reason, and often those reasons are the ones spread by our own media sources. Remember this, Jesus died and extended grace for the left and the right and everyone in between. So even as we seek to speak truth to power, we must stop vilifying and demonizing those we disagree with. Yeah, and it's really not a shocker to hear his experience where, you know, you move different parts of the nation and you hear, well, if you're Christian, you're going to vote Republican. If you're Christian, you're going to vote Democratic. If you, if you look at Christianity in itself, I mean, a lot of of what the complaints have been about is the legalism, is the legalistic approach, is the religion before relationship. And if you even talk about relationship before religion, then you're seemingly this new type of Christian who just has a lesser amount of standards or, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a lower level of standards. And probably one of the biggest battles we have in religion is religion and is legalism. And I think, I think, I think you hit it on the head there when you said Jesus died and extended grace to I mean, everyone, but extended grace to the left and the right and everyone in between. And I think that this is super important for believers who are going to the polls because there are certain things that I feel like we hang on to. And because we're hanging on to those things, we're blinded to true facts. We're blinded to the truth. We're, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's almost like we silence the truth because the truth doesn't meet what we want it to meet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because we're so locked up in legalism and we're so locked up in the, the legalistic approach is what I'm trying to compare it to. And we're so locked into the religion of it. And we're voting for policies. Right. We're voting for what we want to see happen according to God's word and according to what we believe God wants for humanity. And I just, I hope that we're not going to put God in a box to appease what we think needs to be done. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When we go to these polls. And that's why we want to cover this today is because we want, I've never been a believer that the spirit of God rests on confusion. That's right. I don't think that, I don't think the spirit rests on confusion at all. hundred percent. And I think if if there's any type of confusion, if there's any type of deception, uh, even within your own train of thought, I mean, let's be serious here. I really feel like we're going to have a hard time being guided and allowing ourselves to be guided by the spirit. If we're just sitting in a, big old jar of confusion ourselves yeah and so we we really need to make sure that we're vetting this out today that you guys just hear us from our hearts and you take it from here and and you really you really form a conviction on what it is and where it is you're going to go when it comes to the election right yeah 100 percent. and i think where we start is we start with the candidate's faith so a lot of people have a question of, you know, does a candidate's faith matter? Does it matter whether the president and, and listen, there are going to be some of you that are going to want me to rail on mm-hmm. Republicans. There are going to be some of you that's going to want me to get on here and rail on Democrats. I am not doing either. And neither is Kyle. This is not what this this is not what this is about, you know, because you need to make the decision in your own heart who stands on the right platform. And I think we need to understand first, does a candidate's faith matter? Because I, we hear this a lot, like, oh, well, this person is supposed to be a Christian and this person is not a Christian. Why would you vote for him if he's a Christian or that? I think one of the things we have to understand is we are voting for a president of the United States. And, and let me say this. 
there are a lot of different parties and I get it. There's the Green Party and there's the Tea Party and there's Republicans and the Democrats and the Constitutional Party and all these other parties. And the reason why we're not covering all of these different parties is because, as you know, historically, there is two prominent parties that people vote for. Even when third or fourth parties have tried to kind of rise up and get some momentum, they've never been able to gain the momentum to the point where they it's viable, like they're going to be an Mm. actual viable candidate. So the reason why that we're focusing on the two parties is because that's what you're going to be voting on. Yes, you can vote for a third party, but, you know, essentially what ends up happening there is you end up taking votes away from the other party. So it really doesn't work out. So but going back to the candidate's faith, is the candidate's faith important? I would say this, that a candidate's faith is not as important as it would be if you were voting for a pastor. We are voting for a president, not a pastor. Now, would we as Christians want a president to have faith in Christ? Absolutely, we want. But is that something that's required as to lead the country? Is that something that's required to, because I would argue that a lot of the, the, the rules, the regulations, the legislation that we have, whether people know it or not, a lot of those are rooted and grounded in biblical teaching. Not killing people is actually one of the Ten Commandments. There is no way that you would have morality or a sense of morality without God. So mm. it's impossible for us to have a civil society without God. So whether a person is Christian or not, some of the things that we've already have in place are already Christian. And whether they're an atheist as a, as a president or not, they're actually abiding by the laws of God. And so I would say, you know, does their particular faith, does it really, really matter? No. And our voting record shows that that hasn't really mattered to evangelicals across the board. In 1980, two-thirds of white evangelicals supported Ronald Reagan, who rarely went to church, in, and he had a successful bid to unseat Jimmy Carter, who was a born-again Christian, and a Sunday school teacher. So even our voting record says that that's not something that's, that's huge, but that's brought up sometimes Yep. of this is, you know, what we believe it's important for. I just believe that we need somebody who understands law. They need to understand the financial aspect. They need to be somebody who understands protecting our country. That's something that's very important. You know, national security and now what's become even more important and prevalent is understanding racial tension in our country. You know, somebody who is well-rounded in all of these areas, and there's many, many more areas, but that is just some of the areas. Should Another one is, should voters, should Christians be single-issue voters? Now, this is something that comes up a lot because people will say things like, well, you guys are, you know, or, you know, You know, they'll say to Republicans, well, you guys are real big on abortion, but then what about the the fiscal responsibility? What about the financial? You know, are they do Republicans really care about, you know, people making money and, and getting ahead in life? Right. And so they take these one issue and they say, well, should a Christian be a single voter issue? I would say no one on either side should ever be a single voter issue. 
We should never be. We aren't even single issue people. Right. Like just, just naturally. I mean, if we're going to make a big deal about now, I get it because there, I understand how pressing and how hard it is because there are some issues that I have a very big issue with. So don't get me wrong there. I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive when I say that, but I mean, we've talked about it previously on our show before. I mean, there are just things that we do that the places we shop at or the things that we support as a single thing that we support also support things that we don't support. Yeah. They also fund things that we don't support. And That's so right. I just wanted to butt in there and be, and just say, well, well, if we're being asked the question, Hey, should, as a Christian, should I be a single issue voter? Well, are you a single issue person? Right. I mean, is this how, are you well-rounded in that? Because that, that's basically what you're telling me by asking me that question. And if you're not, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to debate it within yourself the same way you do when you go shopping at certain places or when you give to certain things or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when you wear certain jerseys, I mean, let's be real now. We've got a lot of people that don't watch the NFL or don't watch the NBA because they think it's all, you know, well, okay. You may have an issue with that, but are you also going to be that person that vets that out inside and says, well, if you like me, I'm still the same person who still watches sports. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. Regardless of how I feel about anything going on socially, I'm not going to get into that. I still watch sports. There's a reason why I watch sports. So again, should Christians be single issue voters? No. Yeah, exactly. No, no, absolutely. And you know, Dr. Tony Evans, I love how he, he put it. He said the ultimate solution to our culture's problems won't land on Air Force One. And it's so true. I think at the end of the day, we have to realize that Jesus is not running for president like that. Yep. If, if, you know, if Jesus was running for president, we'd all be good. But Jesus is yeah. not. <laughs> and so we just have to remember that at the end of the day, people need Jesus. That's the issue. And we're seeing in real time right now the world trying to solve their own problems. And as you can see, it doesn't work out. It doesn't matter what party's in office. It's not working out because people need Jesus. And, you know, but that's the way it's set up. You will never have a society that is paradise without Christ. It just, it'll never happen. And so we just have to look at it as Christians and say, what are the big issues? So when you go to the poll, you know, in a few weeks. And when this airs, you may be going super soon. When you go to the polls, what are the issues that should be on your mind? How should you be voting as a Christian? So we just want to go through some of the big issues. The first issue is abortion, right? Mm -hmm. God puts a high value on life. Like there, he is the author and the finisher of life. You would not know or you would not know what life is unless God allowed you to be born. He is the one that came up with the concept of life. He is the one that came up with the concept of birth, of you being on this earth. I mean, all of those things is a God concept. And so so when we talk about issues like abortion, what does the Bible say about the sanctity of life? If you read Jeremiah 1 and 5, and this is in the ESV, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is him talking to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So basically, you're just saying right here is that the argument that a baby is not a baby in the womb 
it's completely that idea is destroyed in this one verse because mm-hmm. all and we know scientifically that all the genetic makeup for a baby once that baby is conceived is there so the eye color all the characteristics of who you are today is in that tissue or in that blob that people say oh it's just a blob oh it's just a tissue you know you can flush that down the toilet you don't have to worry like you're not don't worry if you get an abortion it's not a real baby i would argue that is a hundred percent real baby anytime you have something that has the genetic makeup of every single thing that it needs to be a living thriving organism it's a baby and god puts a puts a high value on life yeah and even for you know even even for the non-believers we will not at least I, i don't think i could have a respectable conversation with somebody who will call bacteria on mars life form but nine months in the mother's womb is still not life form. Yeah. And, and and I just can't, maybe I, maybe I'm too simple minded for, for anybody, but there just cannot be a respectable conversation for anybody who's willing to believe that when there's a heartbeat, when there's blood flowing, when there needs to be literal food eaten by the mother to connect to a tubing, to feed the, again, you feed what's living. You don't feed what's dead. That's right. And so, so, any t- yeah, again, so just to lead, I-, I know that there might be some people like, well, you're basing that off the word of God, and I don't believe in the word of God, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, that should. The, yeah. What I just gave you should. Those facts should. And I just, again, that's a big issue. Yeah, absolutely. And think about it. So, so think about it practically, guys. So think about it this way. If somebody right now, so say it was a pregnant lady, and we're going to take this down, unfortunately, a dark path, but I, I want to uh, help you to understand Sometimes something. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. Right? So say you get a pregnant uh, woman, and say she is a victim of domestic violence or some type of violence that ends her life, and she's pregnant, okay? If somebody shoots or, or kills a, a mother that's pregnant, well, what ends up happening when she goes to court, not only are, is, is that person charged for the life of the mother, but that person is also charged for the life of the baby. So mm. how is it that if that mother is not saying there is no violent thing happened to her, but she can go and get an abortion. But if that same mother is uh, killed by someone else, that person is charged for not only the mother's death, but also the baby's death as well. So why is it that when the baby kills her own or when the mother kills her own baby, why is it that she's not charged for the baby's death? So here's this is see, there's some things that we have to think about as we're going to the polls. And we have to think about as Christians, because if we say we're Christians, guys, we can't be focused on how we feel about things, on how we think things should be, because we're going to be judged on the decisions that we've made in our own bodies right and we can't say things like well i just didn't it just didn't feel right and and don't get me wrong abortion is the mop and bucket to sexual promiscuity so let me let's get that out of the way right so if we if we can understand that women are not toys if we can understand that that we should have a high value on commitment Those things are the first things that we should be looking at. Why don't we commit to people? 
Why don't we decide that we're going to be there for our children, dads? Why use abortion as a mop in a bucket to your lust? You know, so so those are things that we need to look at. But when you get back to abortion, in Psalms 139, 13 through 16, it says, For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and it goes on to say, Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. It says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so basically, again, the psalmist is saying, look, like I was special to you before I even understood life. When I was in my mother's womb, you intricately knit me together. And so I would say, as you go to the polls, one of the main things that you should be voting for is life. Because mm. this is what the Bible said. This is what the Bible says that life is. And if we think that life's not important to God, think about what he says in Luke 12, 6 and 7. He says, are not sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten? before God, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more, you are of more value than many sparrows. I will tell you right now, there are more laws protecting animals Mm. than there are babies. There are more laws protecting animals in this country. There is no way I would get away with, I have a, just a adorable mini golden doodle. If I were to torture that dog, not even kill the dog, but if I were to torture that dog, do you realize that I would have charge on my record? Do you realize that I could go to jail for that? If I just went and just shot somebody else's dog, do you realize that I could go to jail for that? But if my wife decides she doesn't want the baby that we made, it's totally fine for me to abort that baby. And we use the word abort, but it's kill. So when, the, and when, when, you, when you think about what the Bible says, that thou shalt not kill, when the Bible says that, the Bible in that, you know, because we all know the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, that word there, kill, literally means to take innocent life. So someone that didn't deserve their life being taken, we have now taken that life. And there's some people that will say, well, well, you know, if you if you believe in life so much, well, why do you guys why why do you go to war? Why why do Christians go to war? You know, because there you're you're killing, but you, that's a misunderstanding of the scripture. The scripture, the commandment that says thou shalt not kill is literally saying thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not take innocent life. Right. People who are coming against our country and trying to kill us are not innocent. They are trying to kill us. That's why our police officers and our military, they protect and they serve. They are here to protect us, to keep people from coming in and pillaging our nation, right? And killing us, right? And so that's why we support war. Now, I'm not saying that all wars are just. 
I am not saying all wars and we've done everything right in our history. What I'm saying is that cannot be used as an argument to say that if you go to war, we can now kill babies because it's all the same thing, because it's not all the same thing. One is defending or self-defense, just like if someone had come in your home, you have a right to defend your life and the other lives that are within your home. And so it's important for you to understand that. But I would also say to Christians, before we get off this topic of abortion and go to the next topic, I would say to Christians that if we say that we are pro-life, we don't only need to stand at the abortion clinics with our signs saying that, you know, and I'll talk about that in a minute because I have an issue somewhat with how we do this. Okay. But before we stand in line at abortion clinics and say, you're going to hell, you're killing your baby. This is not right. You know, and holding up signs of of aborted fetuses, we also need to be the people that are standing in line at the adoption agency. If you're going to stand in line at the abortion clinic, you need to be able to stand in line at the adoption agency. Because here's the thing. We say we're pro-life, but we say we're pro-life and then sometimes it ends at the abortion clinic. It ends at condemning those who are trying to take the life of their baby. And because we don't want them to do that, we hold up our signs. But here's the problem. When those same young ladies decide that they're going to keep their baby and they're going to put that baby up for adoption, we have a long list of children that are waiting to be adopted because not enough people, and I I feel like Christians should be at the top of the list here, that is willing to take these babies. So, mm-hmm. so if we're going to say, hey, you're going to go to hell, if you do one, you're not going to go to hell because you aborted your baby. We have to, as Christians, get better at how we at how we talk to people who are not Christians, how we converse. We just need to be educated. Yes. I mean, we got to stop talking out of our feelings and talk out of our facts. Yes. And, you know, you get the sentiment of what they mean by it, but that's never going to help anybody. Yes. Um, I was sitting in a in a service one day, and the pastor had explained why he doesn't picket sign outside of abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, obviously, I don't support abortions. I don't. I don't think we should be doing it. He said, I'm against it, but I will never sit outside of an abortion clinic with a picket sign. And it's because of what you just said. He said, how can I stand out there? And hold up a sign saying, if you do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, God hates you. You know, whatever. And then expect that same woman to come into my church and trust me and seek me for God's guidance and all that kind of stuff. Like, as Christians, we're not only obligated to spread truth, yeah. but we have to, guys, we have to be relatable. Yeah, We have to be people that are beacons of hope and joy and peace and truth. And we have to be people that if someone does decide, hey, I, I want to change a discipline in my life, we need to be people that they can then go to to guide them in that right direction. So look, we may not like what people are doing. Yeah. We, we may hate it. Yeah. But we got to find a way to do the opposite without hate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know there are pastors out there. And I want to say this. I know there are pastors out there and churches that go and they hold these signs. God bless you guys. I, I believe that we should advocate for life here. Here's what mm-hmm. I think we should, we need to do better is what our signs say. You know, yeah. our signs should say things like, I will take your baby. 
please go to the adoption agency. We have, you know, and let them know, put out pamphlets or whatever you need to do, pass them out to say, our church is committed to our adoption agency in our state or in our county. And we are, we have people waiting to adopt your baby. You know, because here's the thing, people, you know, if you if you have a sign that says, hey, you know, uh, you're going to go to hell if you abort your baby. Here's the problem with that. People don't go to hell because they abort babies. They, they go to hell because they don't have Christ as their savior. Right. So we have to be very careful what we're <laughs> condemning people to hell for. Now, is it, now when we see somebody literally walking into an abortion clinic to kill their baby, is that something that gets our emotions like just, I mean, it makes our blood boil? Absolutely. And we should be angry about that. We should be upset about that. But here's here's the difference. We have to be upset, but we need to be able to funnel that anger and those emotions in the right way. So, yes, go out there and stand there, but offer these people hope. That's yeah. what needs to happen. And and if you're going to be pro-life, be pro-life all the way. Don't be pro-life just so that girls won't abort the babies. Be pro-life and stand in line to adopt a baby. Be pro-life to provide clothes for the babies, to provide, you know, bassinets and things that girl may need. Set up organizations where they can come. You know, we have one locally here, a AAA Pregnancy Center that I've worked with. They just do phenomenal, phenomenal job of when they have unwed pregnant mothers, they encourage them to not abort their baby, but they also have a, an entire center that is dedicated to supporting them if they do have the baby. That is truly being pro-life. So, you know, because when the world looks at us, you know, they don't want to see us just condemning them. They want to see us actually providing hope and helping them. And so I think that is that's so, so important. When we can take a second to think about our approach. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in life is approach. Mm. You could be approaching one of the hardest situations in your life, but if you approach it the right way, the resolution is so much easier. Yeah. You approach things the right way, the agree to disagree gets so much easier. When you approach things the right way, a lot of times things get handled more times than not. And so even right now in the election season, before you post, before you rant, mm -hmm. before you interject into a conversation, ah, just think about your approach. Because what you're saying about one side or the other may in fact be 100% true. Yeah. But if the person already doesn't want to hear you and you don't approach it the right way, they're not going to hear you. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're really trying to get somebody to hear you, just think about how you need to approach it. Take an extra 30 seconds. It's not going to hurt you. And then get yourself involved if you need to. Yeah. Earn the respect of people, you know, but you're not going to earn respect by condemning yeah. them at every turn and saying that, how dare you? How there's no way you and And listen, I've been one of those people <laughs> like I get, <laughs> so you I. know, I get in my feelings. <laughs> Like I oh, am yeah. abash, unabashedly pro-life. I, you know, I believe in the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage. And I will stand on that platform any day, not because I'm perfect, but because I serve a God that is. And so mm -hmm. that, and that God tells me that he is the author of life. He is the author of marriage. So I stand on that platform, but here's what I've done in the past. 
I've done it in a way where I have been divisive. I've been extremely divisive in times that I didn't need to be divisive. When I should be educating people, I'm just telling and spewing what I think and why they're wrong and all of these other things. And that's just not how you do it. And we always have to remember, you're not going to change somebody's mind on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. It's just not going to happen. You know, you know how you change people's minds. You do it through relationships. You through yep. you do it through kindness. You do it through dialogue and sitting with people and talking to them and and doing life with them. You know, but when you sit in front of somebody and says, "Hey, you know what? You shouldn't abort your baby," and you're sitting there with three adopted kids. You know how powerful that is, because right. because that person now looks at you and goes, "Wow, you know what? If I can have my kids be in a family like yours, like I see how good you take care of those kids, man." you know what? I think I won't do this. And I'm hoping that we can get a family like yours. That's Mm -hmm. more powerful than getting on Facebook and saying somebody is awful because they voted, you know, for abortions or they voted, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that all of those things are super important. And, and we're just, we're just getting started on this topic. We're just getting started on it. And We have a lot more to get to because we want to make sure when you go to the polls that you are educated, but that you also are, that you're really looking at those facts and you're looking at the issues, not a person. Because again, we're not going to always like the person that's in office. Like they may say things we don't like. They may do things they don't, we don't like. They might have a personality that doesn't sit right with us, whatever the case may be. But the point is, what are their policies? What are the laws that they're going to enact? What are the people that they're going to bring around them in their cabinet? And what are those people going to do? The right. That's the important thing. So forget about the person and let's get into the policies. Let's get into right. what really is important that's actually going to drive. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that we don't call out when a person's personality or when their words or when their actions are wrong, whether it's Republican, Democrat, independent, green part, I don't care who it is. We can call those things out. And as Mm. Christians, if you vote for a certain party and it's your person that represents your party, that's acting childish or acting, you know, wrong and saying things out of character for a president, you should call them out. Even if you even if you support their policies, right? If their character is bad, you need to call it out. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, if a Democratic president is acting uncharacteristic for a president, call them out. If a Republican does the same thing, call them out. But you have to help people to understand there's a difference between that person's character and how they act sometimes and the policies and the platforms that they stand on. Yeah. And I think the simple reality is, is they're human, right? Yep. So they're not perfect, even though they're put, they're esteemed highly and they're put on a pedestal. They're not perfect. And the false reality, I think that majority of us can live in is, well, that's my president. That's who I voted for. So he's always right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wrong. <laughs> right. Like, he, he's not going to be right. No matter who you vote for, there are going to be times cameras are always on them. 
And believe it or not, if the left side wins, the right side will spend four years trying to tell you why the left side shouldn't have won. Right. And if the right side wins, the left side's going to spend four years trying to tell you why the right side shouldn't have won. And so we can't get duped into the, the false reality of, well, either that president's always bad or that president's always good. They're human. There's good right. in them. There's bad in them. Naturally, yeah. there's a lot more bad than there is good. And we have to, we have to vet a lot of that out and mature as human beings. But the reality is, as you are, and Kevin has told me this, you're voting policy, not person. That's right. And, and you've got to, because I'm younger in all of this and I'm trying to educate myself in this. And there's just, there's a lot to it. You, you, you're not going to formulate an opinion over one episode of a podcast. Right. You're not going to formulate an opinion over one debate, two debates, three debates. You're not going to. You and like myself need to sit down and line yourself up with the policies and ask yourself, which ones do you support? Why do you support them? And, and then you start formulating your opinion on the person running. Mm -hmm. uh, don't formulate your opinion on the person and then the policies, because at that point, you don't even care about the policies. All you care about is the person. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as Christians, again, we have a responsibility to do our research. Um, you know, the media should not be telling you who to vote for. The media shouldn't be your research either. It should not be your research <laughs> nope. by any stretch, you know, and if you're a millennial and you know, you, I know you consume a lot of media. There's a lot of memes. There's a lot of, you know, you have to understand that that stuff actually formulates your opinion. You might not think it does, but you see too many memes of this, of saying this pretty much the same thing over and over and over again. You see too many statuses saying the same thing over and over and over again. Your brain has a tendency to believe that because that's what you're seeing all the time. Mm -hmm. But a lot of media today is just biased. I don't care what media they, they you know, yeah. they have a narrative that they want you to believe. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to know what the Bible says. And that's why I'm bringing scripture. Mm. I'm not interested in bringing my opinion. That's why we're not right. telling you who to vote for. I'm right. not going to, that, that's, it, that's irrelevant. What's extremely relevant is what the Bible actually says. Right. If we can go to the polls and vote on what the Bible actually says, I, we have nothing to worry about. Now, if that person wins, great. If that person doesn't win, great. And we have to learn that. At the end of the day, a president is not going to be the end all. We have a right. God that's still on the throne, whether right. it's Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. Whoever's in the office, truly, they're in office under God. Truly. So, so that, that's something we can rest assured in. And so, and God's not going to let anybody destroy this country without him overseeing what's going on. So, you know, I know we think that if one person gets in, they're going to destroy the country. And if this other person gets in, they're going to be the best thing that the country's ever experienced in, in our lives before. Let me tell you something. We live in a fallen world. Nothing is going to be that great ever. Like we we are looking for a different kingdom. We're looking for a different economy. We are aliens. We are pilgrims passing through. What we're mm -hmm. what we're supposed to do is to be salt and light in this culture. That's what God has called us to do. No matter who the president is, people should know our lives and who God is more that they should understand or know the president and his policies. 
we, the church should shine brighter than the government. Truly, the church should shine brighter than the government. The church should be outdoing the government when it comes to social issues. We should be at the forefront of them, not the government. So, but hey guys, I know we're talking about this and we're in the middle of the conversation, but we're going to keep this going. So next week, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, right? We're, we're going to talk about gun rights. We're going to talk about law and order. Um, we're going to talk about same-sex marriage. We're going to talk about fiscal responsibility and debt, mm-hmm. and the, you know, all of those things. Now, we're going to get into all of those. What are the things that is important to God? How should we go to the polls? So, Yeah, and just to leave you with this final thought, you know, Kev, you were talking about we should, we should outshine the government. And I, I want to take a step further, man. When the government and when the media sources are taking stuff like the election and they're becoming divisive with it and there's so much confusion, the church should really be the people who are reining it back in. Yeah. We we should be the people that are bringing logic back into the conversation. That's right. We should not be the people with the big old pot spoon stirring the pot even yeah. more. Yeah. And I feel like I, I do because it's been personal experience, but- we have all, a lot of us have lost our way in this and we've gotten, and like you said, we've gotten like ultra sensitive and I get yeah. it because to be real, it's hard when you're a human being and you care so much about something. Yeah. It's hard to not jump on the bandwagon and said, hand me a spoon. I'm going to spin this too and try to make the other side look even worse. But we're not in this life to make somebody look worse than what they are. We're in this life to help somebody get better than what they are. And so- what I'm trying to say is, is when we find that something's so confusing and, and there's a lot of lashing out and there's a lot of bickering back and forth, we need to be the people to bring it back to common ground. Yeah. And we need to be the people to bring it to a back to a common perspective and back to a logical conversation because at the end of the day, a decision has to be made. And I'd rather us try to allow people to make a decision based off of logic instead of us force a decision out of irrational emotional thoughts. Yeah, so true. So true. Well, guys, we appreciate you guys being here today and tune in next week. We're going to finish this conversation. And like I say, we're just being raw. We're just being real. You know, we're just having this conversation because think about it. You're going to be talking about this stuff over Christmas, Thanksgiving dinner, and no one escapes it, right? It always Mm -hmm. shows up at the dinner table, right? And so I think it's important for us as Christians to know how to handle these conversations, you know, yeah. and so, you know, and so instead of standing on your platform, your political platform at the dinner table, why don't you stand on the word of God this Christmas? Why don't you stand on the word of God this Thanksgiving and help people to understand this is why this is what I voted for. I didn't vote for a party. I didn't vote for a man. I voted for the policies and the platforms that most closely align with scripture. Scripture should be king. That's what people should always be pointed back to God. But there is no way you can point people back to God if you're beholden to your party. And that's it. All right. And so we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And we're looking forward to just sitting down at this table and talking again next week. We love you guys. Have a great week. Have a great week.